0: Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report, I'm your host Rob Ludeman. And it's time to bring the orange with a returning guest, one of my favorite guests, although you've only been on the program one time, but we had such a good time.
1: I feel like you say that to all your guests somehow. I don't know. <laughs> Just guessing. I love
0: buttering everybody <laughs> up when they come on the program. Oh, Andrew Miller, Principal Systems Engineer at Pure. Welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you. It's, it's a really hard to believe that it's been two and a half months since Accelerate, when we last sat down in a little glass fishbowl and had people making faces at us to try and make us laugh and get distracted.
0: Yeah, they kind of distracted us more than, you know, I, I recorded about 15 episodes while we were there, and, and, and the only distraction from people outside really came, it must have been you. 'Cause maybe. I was the only constant. You were the variable maybe, maybe. in that episode. I think they were harassing I like you, and I not harassing St- me.
1: Shout out to Stephen Foskett or Justin Warren or some of those folks. Yeah, yeah. You know. yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, Stephen was a whole nother story, but uh but that was fun. So what brings you uh into town? We're here in the mothership in Mountain View recording, um, not on site somewhere, but you're actually here and you live in airplanes.
1: A good bit of the time and cars too. That's actually yeah, that's nice true. about being a regional folks. It's true. it's a mix. So to be honest, it's just meeting with folks out at HQ as well recording. This is one of the priorities too. Awesome. The um I, yesterday, I think I had my first time at Pure, where I was heading to the airport and not quite sure what airplane I was going to get on. I didn't tell you this, but I wasn't sure if I was going to have to cancel on you last second because I ended up doing a remote Q four opportunity via Zoom with some other folks on site and and being here instead of uh, somewhere in the Northeast. So. Well, God bless so
0: God bless the remote capabilities that we uh, that we have in here so that we can get you in. Uh, over a lunchtime today, and you did a haiku last time. No haiku this time.
1: No, no, no haiku this time. I'm afraid. But uh, we, when we were playing with, um, and for anyone listening, you've, you've already seen the title, right? There's flash stack somewhere in the yep. title, whatever. Yeah, we it. are doing flash stack today. We were uh, we were talking about, you know, so if flash stack feels a little bit like superheroes, so I don't have a haiku, but I was playing with the idea of, of flash stack and kind of coming up with a, uh, a superhero WWE announcer voice. So All right, let's hear
0: it. Let's right. do it. Let's wait. Let me make sure the mic levels are properly all right we'll go, go. It.
1: make it simple make it flexible flash stack an origin
0: story it's almost like the movie trailer guy you got I that don't... little bit in a world
1: <laughs> you... where
0: people try to put together their own best of breed solutions one converged infrastructure stands above them all how was that?
1: I feel like you did better than did I, did. I just one up you yeah, on my own yeah. podcast? I'm so sorry. I, I, I think right So that. sorry to one and up you. The whisper at the end on my end came the whisper but, was really yeah. good.
0: That had very good effect. So yeah, we are going to talk about um, flash stack. I actually post an episode, uh, blatant plug as I always do for for our listeners uh, with Eric Lillistolen from. Cisco who uh, is on the application side for flash stack, but we recorded one accelerate and I posted that about a month ago So that's a great insight if you want to go take a look at You know what SAP or Oracle or business applications do on flash stack, but why'd you come? to me about Flash Stack today. You get yeah. requests to talk at yeah. executive briefings all the time, as I know, not only here yeah. but yeah. in New York <laughs> and other places. Um, but what happens when when you get asked to cover something like a flash stack? What
1: so do you do? This even goes back to it was a couple months in at Pure and in full disclosure, I've got history from a UCS standpoint and servers and computer yeah. and storage and uh, VC partner council a while back. That company doesn't exist anymore. So I think I can say, you know, so just I've been, say I've, it. I've been living in this space for yeah. a while. And so when I was thinking about it, when I had a request to cover this from an executive briefing standpoint, I realized I didn't want to kind of start with what's on the truck, if you will, like just what FlashStack is, the technology that's compute and it's storage and virtualization, and that's all cool. But I wanted to think about, okay, so why did Pure create FlashStack? Aside from just like, hey, Pure, Cisco like each other, you know, what what is the actual historical basis for it and where does it fit kind of in the industry? Because a lot of times when I talk with people about this, it's kind of in the context of Of a converged infrastructure or a hyper-converged infrastructure or reference architecture. And people are kind of like, where, where does it fit? But the core piece there is that people are always pursuing simplicity. Right. They're always pursuing flexibility. And ultimately for applications, and maybe we were d- d- debating about this earlier. Is an application like running virtual machines? Eh, yeah, maybe yeah,
0: could. Yeah, sure.
1: Sometimes it's running SQL. Well, th- that matters too. And, and even like Oracle, you've got a thing for Oracle, I think potentially, right? You know, I, do. SAP, I dabble so. in that space. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I may or may not have been working there at one point. Um, you know, and it gets back to what a solution is, right? We were talking mm-hmm. about this before we recorded. It's like at what point does it become a solution you know we build these cisco validated designs these cvds lots which are really intricate you know lots of work lots of engineering person hours mm-hmm. that go into saying okay you want to go deploy a whole bunch of vms here is how we would recommend you go off and do that and here's how it works and here's why it works
1: oracle or combalt or
0: take your pick so- and for right? me
1: it was it was almost a little bit of like okay let me step back and not start with as i was thinking about what i was going to present this actually started out as a whiteboard and, and full disclosure i was i was almost just trying to think like how do i start off these ebc's yeah. with doing something on the whiteboard than via slides cuz it's always more interactive people pay attention it's just more fun to do like when you right, write board
0: yeah it's a, it's a great thing
1: so this is a um, this is actually kind of the the talking version of some of the the whiteboard that i'll do to introduce flashstack but when as i was going through that my, my my brother's actually a university professor so there's a little bit of a Uh, a competitive professor in me, if you're in, you know, pre-sales and technical stuff. I could see you as professorial, right? I mean, there's
0: ways when I could see you standing up at a whiteboard, I could just translate you into a university classroom environment and it would work. Maybe someday. It would work. Maybe round glasses instead (laughs) of the
1: ones you have there. If that's all that I need, then man.
0: Perhaps. You could pull it off. You could pull it off. So, but but get back to that. So when when you came to approach it and you were looking at it more from what you're really getting to is the origin story. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of doing this. It's, this is the start with
1: why. Yeah. So right? the, the why and, and always like to think about for anyone who's listening to this who hasn't gone and watched the 15-minute Simon Sinek talk, yep. uh, TED Talk, start always with why. Or start go, with read why. The, go read the full book too, right? Yeah. So, so the why has to start from a customer standpoint. And there were two big pieces there that I think well we're going to kind of run through today. One is like what is a customer life like? And then what are the data center architecture stacks that we've had over the years? And how do those relate back to you know, just customer day to day? And then, of course, we'll say some stuff about, like, actual flash stack at the end. But, but really, it's kind of building up to the why. And if you do the why well enough, you hear about flash stack and you're like, it fits that, 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 that. Hey, what it do you It checks a ton of boxes when you, when you do
0: the start with why. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, life of the customer. What, yeah. what's, what's ground zero or what's day zero, day, day zero, where they're starting from, from an architectural standpoint?
1: So having having lived that seven years on the customer side, I mean, we we start with day zero, right? And and this is the day zero, day one, day two construct. If you haven't heard of that before, but it makes sense to be. Able, you know, day zero is about architecting. Um, it's you're looking at new solutions. You're thinking about where you're going to go. I've I've got some friends who are VCDXs and they're consultants, and they think in terms of constraints and flexibility. Uh, hopefully, you're in day zero mode before stuff gets bought. Sometimes you get a big contract as an architect and you're given a bucket of stuff and you're told like, hey, just just go make this all work. You're still on day zero mode, but you didn't necessarily get to choose what was in the, in the bucket of stuff, but it, it starts at a day zero perspective. And the interesting thing about day zero is that sometimes you can get a feel for what day one is like, and day one is after you have bought it and you're starting to implement it and get it set up, you know, kind of the one timeish configuration. You can sometimes get a feel for day zero, for day one, by asking for a POC or mm. for demos or that kind of thing. So in the past, I've had some products I've worked with, good products. I would never demo them. I would whiteboard that, mm-hmm. whiteboard them like crazy kind of thing uh, because they were like good fundamental technology, but they didn't demo well and they didn't POC well because they took a while to set up, right, if you will. So as you get into day one, day one is the time of setting things up. It's implementing or kind of engineering, if you will. Now, what I, I think about there is that there's what you can call almost kind of call a day one tax. So you've got to do all that setup work. Sometimes you do it with a lot of professional services. Sometimes the product's simple enough. You don't need very much of it. But anytime you do day one, it's not just day one. You've got to do the same thing at day 180, at day 365. Really, anytime that you go and significantly re-architect or expand a system or bring a big new application in. You go from SAP to SAP HANA, or you do major Oracle upgrades. I mean, you're kind of back in day one mode from an infrastructure standpoint, and you've got to repay that day one tax, if you will. And you're so talking about
0: baseline things, right? I mean, you're talking about cabling and and installing network cards and you know, just doing Number of those servers, kind of nitty-gritty things. back and in networking storage network, pools right, and right. all that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. all those
1: knobs and dials that hopefully you set up very infrequently, but you got to do a lot of planning because if you do the day one wrong, it can really bite you down the road from a flexibility standpoint. So right, right. That's where there are serious professional services engagements, and you want people who've kind set this stuff up a lot. If there's a lot of decisions where you make it in day one, you don't get to change it ever. That's right. Or it's really painful to change. Yeah, it. it's that's locked you, or
0: it's really expensive to to undo out in the future. You obsess right. over day one, something, yeah, and, and yeah. you should right yeah, for certain of course.
1: For if it's a sufficiently complex. Fragile solution, if you no, will. It's the whole notion of get it right the first time, mm-hmm. right? If you can. Oh, right. and, and this is where I even, like, I have a friend of mine put on Twitter, you know, the good architects do 90% planning and 10% implementation. I'd agree with that if the price of getting the architecture is really wrong. So it, sometimes get into, like, the speed of iteration, like how, like, fail fast and if you right. fail is right. a big deal. You know, all that goes into day one, if you will. Yeah, okay. Approaches. No, day two then is of course the day to day. This is where I started. Okay. Right? I so this is the
0: operational stuff, right? Right. After you've done the day one, you've got it all, you know, planned mm-hmm. out, hopefully correctly. Mm-hmm.
1: Might not be. Operate, optimize, yep. run it. Classically, uh, CIOs, IT directors don't care about this stuff. They pay people. They paid people like me when I started in IT. Yeah. They pay people to take care of these things. So they don't, so have, they to don't worry have to about hear about it. it. Yeah.
0: And be- if they hear about it, usually it's not because it's running really well. It's
1: silence is like you know the best thing yeah. in that kind of world. Yeah. But, Often where they do care about it is one, as you mentioned, like applications go offline, exchange, yeah. whatever else. That's where we notice. Or two, the day two operational um, tax, if you will, is so high that there's not time for innovation or new projects. Like yeah. 80% of the time keeping the lights on, 80% of the budget keeping the lights on, very small percentage to do new things. right? And that's where then day two starts to raise its head. So yeah. I'll, I'll walk through this initially and to be blunt, I'm just trying to let people know that I understand what their life is like and make sure that I don't forget it too. Because sometimes we get too separated from these things and we get we all live in our own worlds, right? But this is what matters. This is the world of the people that we are helping. This is where they live, right?
0: Well, and it, it gets to two of the facets that I keep coming back to on these types of discussions, which is, you know, you've got the the CIO and the people up at the top that care about risk to the business. Risk mitigation. Risk mitigation. And you have the folks that are actually running and operating who care about exposure, Mm -hmm. right? And or limiting exposure mainly, right? Mm -hmm. Make sure it works right. Make sure nobody notices. Nobody pokes it. Because again, nobody does really usually ever call and go, hey, everything's running great. Thanks. That's awesome.
1: But you don't thank your power company. I don't
0: don't think (laughs) (laughs) the, the, the database is not pushing transactions fast enough and applications are slowing down. Then the phone calls
1: happen. We're all the way back to Nicholas Carr and you know IT becoming utility and commoditization, yeah. right? You know you don't send your power, or your water company a thank you note at Christmas. Nope. Maybe I should. Maybe we all should, but we yeah. don't. So yeah,
0: it just kind of works.
1: Maybe a <laughs> yep. hundred years ago, mm-hmm.
0: it would. It's so, a little more dicey then. Anyway, back back on uh, back on track.
1: So then then I'll kind of move into it, but if we kind of thought through day one, day day zero, day one, day two. Think about kind of data center architectures and stacks, right? And so I mean the core idea here is they're always chasing simplicity and flexibility those are always our opposing. sometimes those are opposing things Mm -hmm. the simpler it is the Mm -hmm. less flexible or vice versa and ultimately for applications but where it started and this is for me in the early 2000s you know started with uh i'll I'll write it on the board sometimes as you know s plus c plus v storage compute virtualization this is where uh, you start with really vmware was the major one here and if if you don't still feel a little bit of amazement when you see a v motion happen that you can literally move the state of a running machine between physical things without dropping. It is pretty amazing. That's phenomenal. Yeah. It was a victim of its own success, right? Because that becomes so prevalent. VMware figured out how to insert itself in a very non-disruptive way. and It Mm -hmm. skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. All the stuff that we know there. And they built this amazingly lasting company out of it. That led into the whole wave of reference architectures. And giving credit where it's due, you know, this is, uh, I usually write it up as N plus C plus V because some of this was pioneered. I was on the partner side around this time with, by NetApp with their FlexPod. This is spread throughout the industry, yep. though, from a reference architecture standpoint. I'll, sometimes when I'll draw this, I'll draw like a dotted line around it in a, a box with a dotted line. You're starting to give away some of the flexibility and to do anything you can dream of for I want to simplify day one and day two while keeping enough day zero, I want to simplify that deployment and not have to have as many unknowns or things to worry about. I just want to have a little bit more cookie cutter, roll it out, stamp it out kind of thing. All these components from this server vendor plus this storage vendor plus this you know VMware or other hypervisor that they work together in a way and I don't want to think about all the extra options there. Yeah. However, that there was still then yet another wave and for anyone who's been doing this for a while, you know, right? And, and I'll write this up as just you know V plus C plus a fair, and this is the land of converged infrastructure. What's interesting here is we use all the same components, and I'll draw like a, a hard dotted, a hard line around this, like a box. We use all the same components, and we give up a lot of the flexibility, a lot of the optionality, if we if you will, because we want to simplify as much as possible. Mm-hmm. We want to get to fastest time to deployment. We want to remove risk around upgrades because reference architectures were good but there were still challenges there, right, kind of thing. And so that was a whole wave, the, the CI wave, if you will. And, and I mean, when we look at it, it's really about faster time to deploy. And this is where I was on you know, partner council for this for a couple of years, had a first row seat. And at an executive level, the messaging here was phenomenal. And CIOs loved it because they wanted to not have to worry about the infrastructure and just get reliable, dependable outcomes. You know, we talk about different levels of the org chart and, and what they care about. The, the catch was the promises often didn't work out, right? I'm not here to badmouth. Just haven't lived in the trenches on some of these, if you will. But then we finally get to, kind of from a history perspective, HCI. Yeah. Yeah. And what's fascinating about HCI is this is the first time the hyperscalers start to intrude on our data centers, right? You know, the Googles and the Facebooks. And that's where you have, you know, storage and compute and virtualization tightly coupled, you know, all in one box. And I'm waving my hands around. You can't see it, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, but oh well. It's always great pod Uh, when you're, you know,
0: motioning, right?
1: (laughs) And uh, so then you get the benefit of linear scalability, you know, as you add one kind of resources, you get another. Not saying that's absolutely the case, right? There's some there's some ability to, to um, work around that, but that's the core design principle. Yeah. You know, the resources are tightly coupled together. What's interesting there is that um, in a previous job, I worked with someone who had been at Google, worked on the Colossus file system. All right, so Colossus, you have GFS, early 2000s, Google built on that. Colossus was a successor to that. So at Google and even kind of the hyperscalers, they've even moved away from the tightly coupled kind of HCI origin approach you used to hear about, you know, Cassandra this and everything else, right? Um, They have moved back toward more of a disaggregated, Stack of compute, stack of storage, composable type stuff, stuff right? Mm -hmm. You scale independently, and you may still they may still stand up and throw out whole racks at a time because that's who they are. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, (laughs) they've all done that, right? I mean, we know all those stories about just those disposable compute architectures, right? Mm -hmm. That get built out. Mm -hmm. You don't
1: fail, and you don't actually replace anything. It all just fails in place, and once enough fails, you throw it all out. Then you find,
0: yeah, you just leave it. Yeah.
1: So HCI though is interesting that even where kind of the origin that came from the hyperscalers, they've even kind of move past that as well. And none of this is like good or bad. It's like we keep pursuing the same things. We keep pursuing simplicity and flexibility mm-hmm. for applications. And sometimes when I'm walking through this the the point that I'll make to kind of if people aren't maybe paying attention is I'll, I'll throw a little bit of a grenade out there. Uh be a little bit provocative, not too much. That never works well when you're talking to people. But if you look back, a lot of the complexity in all of these stacks has historically been the storage yes right you've got to think about raid pools you've got to think about replication factor RF levels and this is like no matter whether you're at reference architecture CI HCI so what if storage had been dramatically simplified 10 years ago like pure
0: does so instance? that you didn't have to Just worry about any of those things
1: would some of these waves have happened at all or maybe at the size that they did? Right, so it's not it's not rolling back the clock, but it's a little bit of I don't know if you if you read fiction or like alternate history that kind of thing, like play a little bit of what would have happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm I'm getting that provocative part of you know my my father always loves when I reference him on the pods. So hey, dad. Um, 35 years at IBM, mostly in and around storage, Mm -hmm. but a a dyed in the wool, IBM, you know, bleeds blue kind of guy. And he would, he would go to all the things you're talking about with, with, you know, the, the converged and starting in the two thousands, he would just kind of grump and kind of go, Oh yeah, we we did all this with mainframes, you know, (laughs) you're just redoing what we did with mainframes, you know, that's, that's similar concept though. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, simplicity, why, Mm -hmm. why worry about managing all these different, you know, pieces, um, but the alternative reality, yeah, that's an interesting one, right? If storage had not been made really simple and easy, would we've gone down this path? And are you alluding to then, you know, the appeal with how we how we ally with Cisco really well?
1: Exactly, right? Because exactly. that's
0: that they've got to see value in it. Um, you know, they have multiple partners for storage, and that's mm-hmm. fine. They right, should. it's good to spread your good wings. It's it's you mm-hmm. know good to give people choice. Choice is better than gaps in a portfolio.
1: Competition is hard, but it's overall good for the market. Uh,
0: it's great for yeah. the market so, and great yeah. for uh, for for accounts and customers to have choice. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good thing. Um, so then this brings us back to let's do full circle and Flashback. get back into. F- Flashtack, using your whisper
1: thing. Um, <laughs> I'll let so, you do the your voice.
0: So first thought, what's, what's the core idea then behind stack? What, what makes it tick?
1: The, the, the core idea here is that you, you look at these, these different kind of waves of architectures and you, you look at them and at core, stack is a reference architecture. Let's just be very upfront about that. But it's what I like to call kind of a reference architecture plus plus because mm-hmm. the underlying idea is what if you could have that simplicity Without giving away the flexibility, which is kind of like, wouldn't it be great if I could have ice cream every day without getting sick? Yeah, that sounds wonderful and impossible. Or you know, we're put, putting
0: on forty pounds.
1: Yeah, right? that, yeah. That, or all of, or all, all the of above, those, or both things. of
0: those, or both of those outcomes. Yes, and,
1: and I have ten year old, I have ten year old kids, so you yeah. know, when I'm coming up with analogies on the fly, you might be able to feel that right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but so there, there's some core, but then underpinning that with Cisco. Cisco, to their credit, 10 years ago, and I started whiteboarding UCS back in 2010 or so, they created a stateless server architecture uh, when there wasn't, frankly, as much innovation, frankly, in the space. A lot of other companies, I'm not here to badmouth anybody else that we partner with, too. But I mean, that's the thing where we thought,
0: yeah, where we thought just everything's commoditized. Mm -hmm. What else can you do?
1: So they made the server stateless. Via service profiles, WWPNs, BIOS, all the settings you would think they virtu- that service profile goes into a fabric interconnect. They did some neat things with their with the VIC card, the internal networking. Basically, so any given server could assume the identity of another server. Yeah. And they, they the first chassis they introduced, the fifty-one hundred eight chassis, is still the current chassis ten years later. Which is phenomenal, right it is 2009 phenomenal. to 2010, and even um, late, it's, it's not done yet. They, they're uh, full disclosure, they're, Of course they're working on successors, but there's sure. nothing announced yet, right? That's still the current thing that current stuff runs in. so for 10 years, they've updated, they've modernized. If you've got a physical workload running, yeah, you might have to shut it down, but it is a stateless server architecture. Yeah. Yeah. that is a core technical alignment with flash right? array flashblade. Yep. We are stateless. Same we can 10 migrate. years later right We can migrate controllers. In family and between families without downtime, we can move data around. So you uh, get that idea of a- Upgrade the software stack, right? Mm-hmm. You know, take your pick. And that goes into like the architecture of the controllers, right? So there's this core underpinning that's a technical alignment around statelessness. And then we build a lot of stuff on that. So we mentioned CVDs already. We've got right. 23 CVDs. Um, you were posting, I want to say it's like anywhere from one to two to three months of solution engineering per CVD, Cisco right. validated design. Yeah. Uh, this is my, my normal joke, if people don't know what a CVD is. It's what you read when you want to deploy all the way up to an application or when you can't fall asleep at night. Uh, but <laughs> it is, and they're long, but that doesn't mean they're scary and complex. It means, let's say there's one for Zen Desktop. It's like 5,000 desktops. Yeah. Pure side, not very long, not very complex. Cisco side, there's a little bit more in there with some of the networking and uh, fiber channel or whatnot. There's a good bit of configuration on the Zen desktop side, fine. And then there's a whole section around the load testing and rolling things out and all the scripts to show that it's not just building it out, but stress tested all of this and did boot storms and that kind of stuff to show that if you want to do this what's being recommended in the configuration part of this paper will actually work in real life.
0: But that's where it gets to your reference architecture plus plus, right? Mm-hmm. I've always been kind of a, a, I don't know, negative around the term reference architecture, right? Because you can put anything you want on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and push it out and go, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we think this works. But when it, the, the plus plus part is really the, yeah, you know, there's there's actual humans mm-hmm. at Cisco and here at Pure that are collaborating together and, and doing this testing and not just testing the base components, but going, okay, well, I want to go deploy SAP. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. How do we go do that? And then it's the load testing, the stress testing, all those other things so that you can see what happens in in, uh, in actuality and in, in real-life operation.
1: Exactly. Yeah. There's even, we've done, um, I mean, one of the promises for CI was kind of single pane of glass and even HCI. So there's been continuing work around Pure One, or around kind of fleet management. There's some leading work with Cisco Intersight, which is Cisco's next-gen management platform. We are the first and only product uh, company and product, but company even, within Intersight that's a non-Cisco product that's a uh, single pane of glass. I always flinch a little bit when I say it because usually people throw things out when you say single know, pane of yeah. glass. Yeah, but yeah. it's a single management one. And, and what I like to call out there is that you can do pure operations in there and there's workflows. So the easiest workflow to kind of describe is you say you want to deploy an ESX server with a service profile that's boot from SAN and is actually registered registered up in vCenter that's for discrete element managers. Right. No matter how much you like Purity or DCNMN or Fabric Manager or UCS Manager or vCenter, being able to do all of that in one workflow, that's pretty cool. We are early days with Intersight, right? We're in late beta on that. We look at Craig Waters' blog for that. Right. Uh, I yeah. need to give a call out to Craig because he owns FlashStack here and does so many amazing things awesome. with FlashStack. Yeah, he stays on it's it. It's incredible. Yeah. So I almost like when I'm when I, when I, when I, talking about this, I feel like Craig should be here, but you know, thanks, Craig. For all that you do,
0: we had Craig on last year. You know, yeah, we got to, it's sure probably that, over though. overdue to re, overdue to return. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, that's the operational angle. What about the support? Right, you've got Cisco TAC, yeah, right as a as a first. I mean, obviously, our predictive support on the on mm-hmm. the storage side is is mm-hmm. super powerful as well, driven by uh, the wonderful um, Pure One. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you didn't check out the podcast just published in early december with Roger Weeks our uh, TME and Pure1 on the top 10 things you didn't know about uh, Pure1 check that one out since we're
1: mentioning it now. but uh, but talk about your experience with uh, yeah. with support Cisco support so there's even kind of there's kind of two aspects there one is that at core um, Intersight by itself and pure1 make the support experience better mm-hmm. like for our customers that just let's just say they just have pure do they upload logs do, do they, can they open up a remote support tunnel all this stuff that used to be very painful We push the support experience forward a lot with what Cisco is doing with Intersight. I actually had this kind of a funny story from an Intersight customer, and I'll leave the city out so it's not identifiable. They did what they normally should do when they opened a support ticket. They have Intersight. And they uploaded logs and the support engineer kind of scolded them a little. It was like, no, no, no. I'm I'm supposed to make sure that our automated log upload with InterSight is working. Yeah. And I get dinged if someone uploads <laughs> logs manually because we <laughs> want this to work. Right. Just like the the pure support experience. Yeah, yeah. So there's been some fundamental improvements in the underlying support experience, regardless. But then as well, you can actually have first call support from Cisco for the entire flash stack for pure for the networking and our fiber channel for the server. So this is this takes collaboration at a pure support and Cisco support level. Back to that more than just a reference right. architecture, right? right? We don't require you to buy it, but if you want that first call support, you have a lot of processes built around TAC, which is you know phenomenal. Organizations work with TAC a lot, and they may have a whole lot of kind of tier one, tier two help desk things built out. You can have all of your first call support go through Cisco for an entire flash stack. Then it even kind of gets into, there's, there's a whole nother... Range of things that uh, that are fun to talk about up the stack. You know, Cisco. I was just listening this Monday to a briefing on CWOM, or an acronym craziness mm-hmm. right now. Cisco Workload yeah. Op- Optimization <clears throat> Manager, aka Turbonomic. Uh, how do you go and uh, <laughs> and I feel I've got some great friends at Turbonomic, so that but there's a demand there for that scaling resources up and down, optimizing where they fit. You know that, that I think you were even uh, seeing some application there for SAP, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah. Yeah, or even I mean, there's we have a lot. You know, we've got a, a list in in front of all these other, you know, mm-hmm. value added Cisco things that just that make the 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 solution, um, you know, that much better. App Dynamics and um, you know, there's a whole that's almost another podcast for us probably is it's, or Craig Craig thing to, you know, dive mm-hmm. into these since, the one, you, since you're plugging him.
1: The one other one I sometimes like to dive into is yeah. uh, is Cisco Container Platform. Given that uh, Kubernetes is the is the new coolness and it's everything odd. else, right? Yeah, yeah. That, um, that's what the cool kids are using. FlashStack plus Cisco Container Platform, and we've got a CVD on it, mm-hmm. uh, is potentially the fastest way to bring kind of Kubernetes up as a service inside your data center today. Obviously, there's various cloud options, uh, but if you want to do that on prem, that's a highly supported, already baked out way for you to go down that path. With FlashStack as the infrastructure underpinnings. So you essentially don't have to worry about the infrastructure, which if you talk with most people that do Kubernetes, their interest in dealing with the infrastructure is somewhere around it's zero and negative. It's somewhere, <laughs> like, yes, like, yeah. I don't we, want to think about it. It's supposed to be there. We do negative
0: thing. numbers around that. Mm-hmm. Well, but and, and and if I take it full circle, that gets back to your day two type of things, right? With the ongoing, right? If you're not messing around with the the knobs and the buttons and mm-hmm. the bells and whistles, and certainly the people doing the you know container based things, and they have no interest in mm-hmm. anything hardware, but if there's less to do for from the administrative side, then all the better.
1: And if you simplify the components enough, yeah. this goes back, then you can still have the advantages and potential for disaggregated flexibility. You can yeah. scale the storage independently, either inside a single array or more. You can scale the compute independently, you know, that kind of thing. And we even sometimes get into... Different consolidation of workloads. You know that goes. Um, we've had silos for a long time, just because you take tier one apps and you don't know what happens when you mix them from a silo standpoint. You just yeah. know the bad things happen. But if you change out the flexibility and the performance of whether it's pure or UCS, signs we even see people that with Flashback are able to do more workload consolidation than has been comfortable in the past. It's all really, I mean, it's all really about outcomes and how do you keep something simple. Mm-hmm. Or prescribed—that's some of the CVDS—while preserving enough flexibility. When you don't know what applications are coming in your data center, I don't know what applications are coming in your data center, not for sure, right? Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. But if you can, if you can preserve enough flexibility while maintaining that simplicity of deployment, and I think the last piece that I even talk about there's some because Craig discusses this publicly, we even uh, one of the appeals sometimes of HCI is the speed of rollout. So yeah. we even have tools that we've created. For our partners that actually help, it's a product called Smart Config that we built in conjunction with our partners uh, to actually help roll out Flash Stack in an automated, fast way that's reliable, you know, kind of thing. And there's still expertise needed in various ways, but we're trying to go toward that highly reproducible outcome. Or sometimes going back to some CI days, it was, you know, the how many days of time to deliver and get it up and running kind of thing. So we're still thinking about the same goals and things that have appealed to people throughout the years in this various architecture. But trying to go out in a kind of a next generation way, yeah. And I'm, I just keep, I keep circling back to wanting to say simple and flexible. So I'll stop saying it. No, it's all right. <laughs> That's
0: a good way to to kind of capstone it here. And uh, when you get to the end of this whiteboard, what 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 are the what do the you, do you audience kind of grasp that? Usually, in most cases, do they kind of grasp on to simple and
1: flexible. They do. They do yeah. usually. I mean, th- usually I'll kind of once I get through the architecture, you know, CI, HCI, reference architecture, then I then I jump over to slides kind of thing, and we walk through what we talked about with. Uh, with support and CVDs and making sure of like the different versions of code because that's got to be there. We haven't talked about that, but that's kind of table stakes. But if you don't see it, you ought to be concerned, you know, kind of thing. Right, right. And and usually at the end of it, I mean, I think some of it comes down to I'm I'm never here to throw stones at anyone else, but say like I acknowledge and I think we understand the goals of some of the alternative approaches out there. We just think we can fulfill them better. Yeah,
0: that's fair. It's a good wrap. Where are you headed next? I'm headed Besides back home. home. Besides home. Uh next anything week? between now and the break? Next uh week?
1: Charlotte, Raleigh, maybe Atlanta. It's, right. it's going to be more driving than All flying right. through little, the rest of the year. a so.
0: little southeast driving tour. Yep. yep, you got it. Hopefully the weather cooperates. I'm open. Awesome. I just put,
1: I just put new tires on, so you know ah. that means I can be a little crazy. Got nice,
0: to have good tires and shoes. Very important. <laughs> always really important. Um cool. Well, um hey, always great to have you in. Appreciate it. Thanks. You will have to start thinking of the next one. I'll
1: have to come up with an idea, another, another that we can transcribe. Come up with another
0: one that you're whiteboarding <laughs> that we can transcribe because these lend themselves really uh, to good conversation. And uh, I thank you for reaching out I appreciate and it. Hey, for more information around uh, FlashStack, it's actually, this one is really easy because we have a nice dedicated site that we uh, partner with Cisco around called FlashStack.com. www.flashstack.com. Go there to uh, to get anything you need, uh, more info around Stack and pointers to all those great CBDs that we mentioned. And I will work to get Mr. Craig Waters, our uh, product manager, mm-hmm. who looks after Stack on here to uh, provide some additional depth and detail beyond what we did today. Um, and with that, I think we will go ahead and wrap. Thanks, everybody, for listening, for uh, passing along the program. We will keep the episodes coming out to you on a regular basis because it's enjoyable for me to have guests like Mr. Andrew Miller on. And with that, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap for Andrew Miller and Pure Storage. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you.